He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Across the line, in for Marner. Marner swings it in front. O'Reilly scores! Ryan O'Posterfee Riley gets his first in a Leaf uniform. Ryan O'Reilly, the Clinton, Ontario native, gets his first in a Leaf uniform. And he's got another chance in for a goal. Never mind one. O'Posterfee Riley has two. To Tavares and Elander, they score. If you watch the replay on this, Craig Anderson does three somersaults and dives off a diving board with tight position and still can't find the puck. Off a stick and it goes to O'Reilly. O'Reilly with an empty net. Scores! Holy Mackina! Ryan O'Posterfee Riley will ice this one with his fourth career Patrick. Joe Bowen has spoken. Apostrophe, the official nickname of, of Mr. Hattrick in Buffalo last night. Ryan O'Reilly in the 6-3 victory over the Buffalo Sabres as we welcome you into Leafs Lunch. It's Julie Tesheri and Mike DeStefano. Mike Johnson, Mike from Scarborough, who was on the call last night, will join Mike us in the next five minutes. Mike from Scarborough the first. That's what we'll refer to him as. <laughs> Michael Bunting kind of flying under the radar lately. I was just poking around. Seven points in his last eight games. Seven guy's buzzing. Eight. So he scored his 19th goal the season last Last night, and that I was like, "Whoa, he's got 19!" Like, remember last year, scored 23, and everyone's like, "Wow, like that's such an unbelievable season." He's on pace to pass that, like 26 goal a year. So everyone thought, "Was it a one-year, you know, one-hit wonder type of thing? Is he going to be able to replicate that?" I think he's answered a lot of the critics, like for sure. I think he's able to replicate that. But the fact that we started this this show talking about Michael Bunting. No, no, no. I said Mike from Scarborough, and it led me astray for a second. So the other Mike from no, Scarborough. No, that's, that's will on join me. I, I jumped on that point for whatever reason. But like, we got to get to. We got to. We're burying the lead here on what we it's saw in the okay, first five minutes. Okay, but it's almost hard to know. Night. Like the lead is Ryan O'Reilly, right? I, is it O'Reilly or is it Mitch Marner? Like I, that's what I was just going to say. Mitch Marner was that fabulous. Ba- like, it was the second line. The Ontario, the good Ontario boys. Are we calling it the Ontario line, by the way? I saw the, the first up boys put out a poll on, on what they want to call it. And the Ontario line was was one option. And I, I like it, man. That's an Ontario, The Ontario line came out and they showed what they can be yeah. and why they traded for Ryan O'Reilly and why they're trying to, you know, not... Um, I don't want to use the word pigeon, but they're trying to force this to work. And, and not necessarily force because it's working out really well, but they want to get a look at it. And now we're seeing how beneficial it could be to have three elite players playing together. And what we saw last night in the first like 10 minutes of that hockey game was, was just pure magic from all three of them. Yeah, it, it was as electric as the start of that game in Montreal was on Saturday night, except it continued. Like the first period was. It, it, the game ended 6-3, but the first period felt like it was going to be 15 nothing. Like All three guys on the top line had registered three points and by the, the time minutes. the clock hit zero. Like, it was insane. Yeah. It was like in 12 minutes, and, and it was the first time in Maple Leafs history that uh, three players 
on the same uh, on the same Leafs team had had gotten three points in the first period together. So a little bit of a historical night from that perspective. First time that a, a, a Maple Leaf had five assists since like uh, 1990 something. It's like 26 years. Doug Gilmore was the last guy to do that. Wow. So Mitch Marner again another historical uh, outing for him. First time he's had five assists on the night. And like that's the guy. Like oh, Ryan O'Reilly, he got the hats thrown on the, onto the ice on a road game at that, which is bizarre in, in Buffalo. A revenge in game for Buffalo. Ryan O'Reilly. And look, I thought that would be the case. Like, remember the tremendous information oh, we yeah. covered yesterday? It was like his first game back in that building as a blue. He scored a goal. I think he does the same thing here as a Maple Leaf. And he, he scored early. Okay, and he made I did good, good last night. Ready, AB? Ryan O'Reilly, first goal score. Yeah. Kaching, you gave me this one. Ryan O'Reilly, anytime score, Kaching. Yeah. And then there was a fan duel. Oh, you first goal? I picked him for a first goal. Let's go. Yeah. And then there was a little boosty boost available when I... I took that, too. I I, I, I played the full 50 on that. I didn't go full 50. Oh, I did. But uh, that that's JT's little corner of, of betting that we're we're expanding slowly. Yeah, I think uh, MJ did really good on, on his bets. I, I believe he went three for three on his bets. I know he at least went two for three on uh, on his situation. Let's bring him in. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Can you confirm? Did you have a perfect night yesterday? I confirmed a perfect night. A late Alex Chuck Tally yes. checked the third box for me, but he could add a few anyways. He's so good. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, I took. I, but listen, it was so funny. I looked at the. I looked at the odds yesterday, and Ryan O'Reilly, who's not a volume shooter, he could have got over under on his shots at one and a half. Like you know, he's playing with Mitch Barter and John Tavares, yeah. and he's gonna play seventeen minutes. And to only ask for two shots, that didn't seem too much, especially when Mitch right now is is feeling. We'll get into him, but like he's feeling passing the puck a lot. Like he's not he's not kind of attacking necessarily for goals quite as much as he is really passing it uh, to set guys up. So I thought that was a good chance. And of course, he had you know he had two shots in the first three minutes, so that way that one easy. So yeah, good night. Anytime you go three for three, I'll take it. Yeah, it was, it was a good night all around. Good night for uh, for you, for for JT, myself, and obviously one the guy Leafs. at Chucks in Guelph, Ontario, who picked Ryan O'Reilly to score a hat trick last night. Shout out to that no guy. That's, that, that's he was a nice selling one. hard. That's a nice wager. If you could bet three plus goals on a guy and he does it, that is a sizable wager. And probably uh, his Chucks bill was definitely paid. Last oh night, yeah, I'll tell you that. Um, Johnny, I, I mean, thirteen points combined from that second line as a whole. Uh, Sheldon Keith called those first eight to ten minutes of the game the most dominant that the team had looked all season. Like, what was working so well that led to that kind of success? Yeah, he's right. It's kind of two different parts. So, like. As the team, I kind of said it myself, like, I think that was the best period, or like first 15 minutes of the period, I've seen Toronto play all, all year. Yeah. Like, they were that good. And I think what it started was, was the work away from the puck. Like, Buffalo didn't look very good, but I think I give Toronto credit for not letting them look very good because Toronto was so quick, the back pressure, um, the sticks and lanes, the winning puck battles, the extending extending offensive zone sequences. Like they were doing all those things so well uh, that Buffalo couldn't breathe and then making really nice plays, transitioning quickly and, and attacking. And I think that's what Sheldon Keith loved. The coaches love when you check your way into an excellent game, and it felt like they were checking their way into a really good game. So I think that's where it starts, and that's not just that line. But I wanted to watch really closely. That was the first time I'd seen Ron O'Reilly play in person in a couple of, you know, this year, I suppose. Um, as a Leaf, it was my first time watching John Tavares in person play wing, and I was curious to see how he managed it. 
not that he couldn't do it. He's John Tavares. Of course he can play wing. Like, I played wing in the NHL. Like, he can, he's, he's going to be able to do it. But just, you know, like, would it affect his effectiveness? He's having a really good year. Yeah. He's going to get 35 goals and 85 points. And so, you know, to take you out of your natural position that you've played your whole career, where you're almost a Hall of Famer as a centerman, and say, well, you're going to play the wing now. When you're not a skater, I was just wondering, like, would he get stuck on the wall? Would he... Would he be trailing plays? Would he have a hard time getting touches, getting the front of the net? Wrong, wrong, wrong. He had no problem with <laughs> any of it all game long. And again, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but um, just another reminder of how smart John Tavares is and how he can just, you know, read the play and make the appropriate decision. Um, and so everything was working well for a team, for that line. And I don't say this lightly. I'm not saying this to be hyperbolic best game I've ever seen Mitch Marner play, or the best game I've ever called that Mitch Marner has played in. He was ridiculously good. The five assists almost doesn't do it justice. Like, it's underselling how good he was in that game. He could have had, he could have had eight points easily. Um, and now he didn't look to score too often. He was really trying to set up a real rally, especially once he had the two goals. But defensively, he was leading the charge for turning pucks over and counterattacking um, making all kinds of great plays with the puck. It was, it's just like a, like a tour de force game by Mitch Marner. And I guess that was the real conversation. A lot of people were asking me, well, yeah, but O'Reilly and Tavares, like, they're not great skaters anymore. You know, is that, is, is pace going to be an issue? Well, Mitch Marner provides a lot of pace, a lot of zone entries, a lot of puck carrying and puck distribution. And let O'Reilly and Tavares with their good sticks and good hands finish pucks around the net. That was the recipe if it all goes well, and it all went well last night. Yeah, like that's what I noticed last night too, right? Like, I mean, Magic Mitch was out there just hounding pucks. I think he had five takeaways last night, which is almost as equally as impressive as the five assists. But five takeaways last night, and then he's the guy who's leading the charge, getting the puck into the zone and allowing those guys to set up where they need to be in order for them to find success. Like, I just, I think that that second line, it's only been three games, small sample size, and I'm sure at some point we will get a look at Ryan O'Reilly on on the third line just to see how things look. We know that Sheldon Keefe likes to experiment. But, I mean, when you look at this and you're handicapping what this lineup could look like come game one of the playoffs, would you say it's more likely or less likely that that's your your second line, arguably your 1B line, come game one? Uh, Part of me wants to say it'd be really cute and say, where's game one being played? If it's Mm. at home, then yes. If it's on the road... I wonder if they don't spread them out and make matchups a little bit more tougher when they don't get to dictate. But, yeah, I mean, I think it is. Uh, for the top six, I mean, that's who you're going to focus on. And, and Sheldon Keefe likes the six players he has to use in his top six. They're all really good. Um, they all deserve to play up there. They're all very accomplished. Uh, yes, there are three centermen playing there, but one's going to play in the wing. It looks like it's going to be okay. And maybe not as importantly, but having talked to Sheldon and had coaches being the way they are, like Sheldon has – tinkered and experimented with his third and fourth lines a lot this year. Like, if you played in the minors for the Marlies and you were decent, you were going to get a run. Joey Anderson, Bobby McMahon, like, these guys get called up because they weren't exactly getting everything they wanted out of their fourth line. And now with Kerfoot down there and Achari down there, and if you care about expected goals, and I know you do, A.B., you know, your fourth line, if they are a positive expected goal differential, like that's all you're asking. And not only has that fourth line been positive, they've been the best on the team yeah. the three games they've played. So 
that way, I think it is probably more likely that what we saw last night is the way they start the playoffs because as long as the top six is scoring, Sheldon Keefe really likes the makeup of the bottom six, and they're going to probably roll out game one and see if they can solve Vasilevsky and Tampa looking like they did last night. Yeah, I like how he's deploying the forwards right now. It's like the first line and the second line are almost inter- interchangeable. Uh, and same thing with the third line and the fourth line. They had really similar ice time last night. I've got two ones and two threes. Like, and and yeah. that's, that's what I think. Like When you look at Boston and Tampa, they're almost built the same way, where it's like they got a kind of a 1A, 1B, and two third lines. And now you look at mm-hmm. Toronto, and it almost feels like it's built very similarly, and they could stack up pretty well come playoff time, whether you know series number one against Tampa, and then if they move on, you can all also look at that team and be like, hey, Boston, we can match up with you up front too. Yeah, and I think for coaches, as they think, you know, it, will the guys on the ice be vulnerable defensively? And, you know, Achari and Aston Reese and Kerfoot, like they bang around and run into everybody that moves. And um, But when they got out there against Tage Thompson, Sheldon Keefe wasn't worrying about, you know, get off the ice, we need someone else out there. We know how much Sheldon Keefe trusts trust David Kampf and what he does defensively, Yarn Croak and Engvall. So as long as they can trust those guys defensively, then yeah, you don't need to hide them. It makes your life much easier as a coach. So um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to quite concede the fourth line as being a third line production-wise, but when they get the puck in the offensive zone, when they play with energy, when they are physical, they absolutely bring a dynamic that the Toronto Maple Leafs have been searching for all year long on the fourth line, and they've done it in these three games probably better than the fourth line has done it for any three-game stretch this year, mm-hmm. and that matters. What what was wrong with the hit counters last night? The hit uh, counters are never right. Like, Zach Asin Reese, I never Zach, bet on hits or shots. Uh, Zach Asin Reese was credited with one hit last night. I saw him lay <laughs> at least three, four. Like, it was infectious. Watching Nola Chari go out there, he was credited with seven, which makes probably makes sense. But Zach Asin Reese, like, those are, they were the Bash brothers last night out there. You, mm-hmm. you said on the broadcast, we got to come up with a nickname for these guys. They're the New Age Bash brothers. They reminded me of Mighty Ducks. They're just out there hitting guys, and it's infectious with them, each other. And they just want to try and one up one another. Like, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the fourth line last night and the energy that they brought. Yeah, you enjoyed them, but the Sabres did not. And that's Good. the point, right? <laughs> like, that's exactly what you want out of your fourth line. And you're not wrong. Like, it is infection. I wasn't a guy who loved running around and hitting because it hurts and it's tiring and it's not easy. But, but it, it does kind of spill over, certainly on the line. Like, you start hearing the boards rattle around. You start seeing one after another go bombing in and hitting somebody. And the next guy up wants to do it. And, Alex Kerfoot, who doesn't play a, like a super physical brand of hockey, he's he's under the skin of Tage Thompson. Like that's that's what you want. Like that's exactly what you're looking for from your fourth line. Now, I don't think they'll play every set of games quite as well as they played the last few, but it's a really positive place to start when um, you know your fourth line, who generally don't dictate whether you win or lose. It's just kind of a bonus if they're helping you. Um, are as positive as they were the last few games. That's a, that's a great sign for, for Sheldon Keith and the Leafs and something they're going to want to keep looking forward uh, to seeing game after game. Uh, with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, right now. and So no Sandine last night, so the deep pairings were, were a little bit mix and matchy back there. Uh, they were mm-hmm. okay. Riley and Hall didn't have a banner night. Lilligren by... was good. Yeah. He was good. was good. He was really good. But, you but... know what, because... Just like, because a lot of conversation is about kind of weight of the defense around this time of year, right? Like, they need a heavier defenseman, they need a grittier defenseman. And I see a game like that for Lilligren, and like, 
that's plenty heavy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's knocking guys down. He's finishing his checks. I thought he was very good for sure. You mentioned, sorry, I cut you off on O'Reilly, but I just thought, like, I thought Lilgren was a real standout last night. Yeah, I'm talking more Morgan Riley, not oh yeah. apostrophe Riley, Clearly. like Joe Bowen was uh, was calling him last night. But but what did you think of that pairing last night? And what about Morgan Riley just as of late? How, how imperative? I heard you talking to Brian Hayes yesterday uh, about how important it's going to be for the Leafs down the stretch to really have him find his game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he scored another point now, so I think that does make it eight and eight, which is you know what Morgan Riley often is you know looks at as whether he's doing well or not. But yeah. I think. For him, it's, it's probably more than that. Like I think it's it's more important that he becomes solid defensively. And you know, you just saw you know, Alex Tuck can burn a lot of guys. Yeah, I don't like that's like he's literally one of the fastest players in the world. But you know, you, you'd want Morgan Riley to be able to challenge a little more. I really didn't like um, the one read in the third period where he kind of got caught a little too Thompson. far outside. Let Paige Thompson walk down the middle in a part of the game where you're like, no, no, we're focusing strictly on defense, protect the middle of the ice. Like those sort of plays need to be tightened up because Morgan Riley is going to have to play an important role defensively, not just scoring the puck, but defensively he's going to have to be really good um, when they get to the playoffs. And he's going to be playing against really good players on Tampa. And you need him and all the defense, but Morgan, because he leaves the team in ice time, um, is going to have to be you know, just rock solid in his decision-making. And I find when he gets himself in trouble this year, and he's you know, had some stretches where he's not been as good as he wants defensively, he gets, he's been getting caught too far outside. Like that to me is, you know, when he when he when he runs into trouble, he gets too far outside, gives up the middle of the ice, um, and becomes vulnerable in the high danger areas. And and that's I'm sure what they're talking about, showing him, talking, you know, trying to get him to, to clean up a little bit because they need him to be good to, to to try to get through Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. So our TSN hockey insider Darren Dreger tweeted out today. Uh, a Jake Muzzin update. He said, expect the Toronto Maple Leafs to address Jake Muzzin's future this week. All indications suggest the veterans defenseman season is over. Not surprising, but will provide clarity for the remainder of the year. So I guess my natural follow-up, MJ, is do you think Kyle Dubas is done on the blue line? Well, you know, I, I, hear, I hear that and say that's one that's sad, not surprising. And, yeah. and you know, we hope he's okay. And uh, I don't think Jake Muzzin's ever going to play again. And, and that's okay. Hopefully his life is good. But you're never going to be able to replace Jake Muzzin with one defender. You can go get a physical guy like Jake Muzzin, but what makes Jake Muzzin so good is that not only was he physical, he could pass. Like, he's physical, but he could hold the gap. Right? Like, it's hard. You're not, you know, Gavrikov can't do those things. Luke Shen can't do those things. Like, they can be, do some of the things, but not all of them. So you're never going to replace him. They might add a piece of depth uh, on the back end. Be a physical guy. I don't think they have the means to do much else but um yeah i don't think that like this news spurs them into action like we were hoping jake would come back i think they already knew this was going to be the case all along and i just don't think it's fair to think that anyone you could find at this point and acquire would give you the kind of impact that jake muzzin was able to do when he was healthy in conversation with mike johnson our tsn hockey analyst uh after watching last night's we'll say first period do you think Don Sweeney and, and uh, Julian Breesbaugh were watching that game and saying, we might need to do something here at the deadline. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun to think of that. Like, oh, boy, look how good they look when they're at their best. Like, we're in trouble. 
I mean, Boston's won. Boston's lost what six games this year. Like, what we, you know, I don't think they'll watch anything and get worried about anyone. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to keep going and doing what we do. In fact, I think that Don Sweeney's biggest concern would be: should I do anything? Like, do I want to disrupt the obviously good vibes that are going on on this team? And I think that's a legitimate question that he would have uh, about how to go forward. And Tampa, you know, they're going to want to try to add a depth defense and probably another scorer. Um, they always seem to figure out how to do it, but they are running out of picks and they are running out of cap space. At some point, they might not be able to do it, but I imagine Tampa, knowing they're going to play Toronto in the first round, he's like, yeah, we'd like a little boost to our team as well, and they're probably going to go out and try to find one. Yeah, did you see that one analyst in Boston yesterday? Like, Boston's doing so doing? well this God. year. Oh, my <laughs> it's God. It's like Boston's doing so well that they they got to make up their own things happening. So if you if you didn't see yesterday, there was an analyst in, in Boston, I'm not even entirely sure who it was, suggesting that they might need to trade Allmark, Allmark or Swayman. Or Swayman. It's like, what? what? Why would you even <laughs> I'll take think one of those. about that? Of course, anybody would take one of those. That's uh, a winner, or let's trade the future goaltender of this team. Both of them get along beautifully. Both of them don't get paid too much. Like, what are we talking about? Madness. I guess if you're, if you're going to say, well, we need Chikrin. If, that, like, if you're trying to go, we need $4 million of space, then maybe that's what we have to go do it. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think if they needed that space, they would trade Craig Smith and right. the second rounder attached to him and say, there's your $4 million. We'll bring in Jacob Chikrin with whatever it costs to get him and figure that out. But I think that is a, not a stretch, but like, like, like not a chance in the world that that is happening. And it's not even a, like, even hype. Hypotheticals are fun, but that's uh, that's a stretch even for Boston. Yeah, that's a wild one. Okay, how did we get here, MJ? This is a real headline that the NHL tweeted today. Flames need win in Arizona to boost playoff hopes. How did we get here? Yeah. What is going on? Yeah, you know what? And it's funny. Maybe the worst place you want to be because there's already a lot of pressure on Calgary. But then the walk in Arizona, a team that is playing really well, but it's supposed to be really bad. And they have a goaltender if Amelka plays, but Ingram as late as of late as well that can steal games on their own. That's like a recipe for a, you know, a, a, a difficult night. So um, how we've gotten here is I think the players that Calgary has, the players that Calgary has acquired to replace the ones that left, are all very good NHL players. But what they're not doing is playing as well as they can in the system, and for that coach right now and you have a guy who had nine shutouts last year was one of the best goalies in the league not playing nearly as well as well so you put those two things together and all of a sudden you know the flames are are, are scrapping to, to make the playoffs and we didn't think they'd be there we knew they wouldn't be quite as good but we thought they would be maybe good and certainly good enough to get the playoffs but then tougher to play against when they got there it's just it's been it's been messy it just hasn't been kind of the seamless transition to all these new players that they thought it would be. And I don't know what they could do, Julia. I, I don't know if yeah. they can go make a trade. Like, it's not an easy kind of problem to diagnose and solve. Yeah. It's like, I think they're just like, guys, we're better than this. Go be better than this. Like, <laughs> like, like, just be as good as you're supposed to be and leave it at that. And if they were, that probably would be enough. But um, they got to find it and find it quick because Minnesota all of a sudden's ran off three in a row and, they're not backing back into Calgary. Yeah, and we were talking about this a little bit yesterday too, Johnny. And like to me, it's almost as if 
when they trade away Matt Kachuk, they kind of lost their identity. Like, he was really sure. the identity of that team, and it seems like they just haven't been able to, to pick it back up. Like, last year, they were a terrific defensive team, and then, you know, they're still playing well defensively this year, but, like, the goaltending's been poor, and it just doesn't seem like that offense has come around. Like, I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Huberdeau, but you had to, how you go from being a 115-point player to being a guy who can't, is scoring at a pure Engvall pace right now is, is just insane to me. Don't do it. Don't do Engvall like Pierre that. Pierre always AB. catches That's a stray. Right. Like, he's <laughs> always okay, catching a stray. Hang on. I am literally <laughs> the president of the... And, and scores 20 goals a year. Like, what do you want? It's so funny. We'll go down this road. But, like, Engvall's hilarious because we had this with Hayes yesterday, and he's like, no, you know, I don't trust him. I'm like, okay, well, do you trust the big guys? Because, like... Worry about the big guys. They're the ones who are going to win or lose the series, not what Pierre Engvall does or does not do. And if he played the way everyone wishes he did, I wish he was more physical. I wish he hit more. I wish he was better defensively. I wish he didn't turn pucks over. Guess what? He'd make $7 million. Yeah. You know, like you, he wouldn't be on the team. There's a reason why he makes two and he's a third-line player because he's not perfect, but he's pretty good for the value that uh, he has assigned. But anyway, that's my Engvall defense for the day. I just said, yesterday I'll do it again today. But you're right. It's Huberto's, it's, you know, to score at a 55 point pace when you're making, you just signed a $90 million contract, that's not, that's not enough. That's not good enough for him. He knows that. Um, clearly, the, the, the transition, not just on the ice, but I think the transition to a new province, team, staff, organization, lifestyle, I think that's all been maybe more challenging for John Huberto than, than he would have hoped. And, I clearly him and Daryl Sutter have not always seen eye to eye and how to play or how to create their offense. And, and I also think it's just a reminder, and this does no good for Calgary. Goudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm were maybe better last year than we even gave them credit for. Because they did what they did, playing under the same system that a lot of players are having a hard time creating offense under. But I think they were just so great together, they could do it under any system and stack everyone else down below them appropriately, and they don't have that this year. Yeah, even Goudreau, like you think about it, really had to come out of his comfort zone to fit into a Daryl Sutter system, and he did it really really well last year. Yeah, can't say it's, it's translated, I guess, into what's going on in Columbus, but I guess thinking back in hindsight, you do have to give him a lot of credit for the way that he played a season ago on both ends of the ice. Uh, really quickly, Johnny, McDavid becoming the fifth fastest ever to reach 800 points mm. last night, just 545 games. I mean, what, 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 what do you say to that, Johnny? Didn't think we'd see someone jumping on those lists playing in this era. No. I, I just, you know, as great as Sid was, you know, Sid, I don't know, I think it had a Sid. Like, I, I just, like, you just didn't expect to see it. Um now, I know goal scoring's up, and it's maybe a bit of a return to the 90s or whatever, but it's not quite the 80s. So anyone who creeps up on a fastest to do something, quickest to whatever, um, today is probably by era adjustment, you know, second or third best all time. And I think that's what we're talking about with McDavid. You know, I think offensively, he is, I don't know, Gretzky, I'm always will say, is number one. Mario is probably always number two. I think we're getting to a point where we can have a conversation as Connor McDavid, the third best offensive player ever. And um, that's pretty lofty praise, but it's warranted. I mean, it's just, and like, I'm sure you guys saw it. Like that one play he did in the uh, whatever period it was where he took the puck by the blue line, had that like mid pivot where he split the defenders. Then the ball came of it. I'm like, that stuff is not 
Like, it's just he does it every single game, stuff that has NHL players, guys out there competing with them and scratching their heads saying, what the heck was that? Like, you know, like, what, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, I'm trying to defend angles and sticks and skates, and like, you pull that off at the blue line, like, you know, he's getting to the point where, you know, there's times where you just can't really stop him, and plus he can shoot the puck now. Right. I mean, that much better. Yeah. And just to, to go, like, how absurd it was in the 80s, Gretzky, 800 points. Do you have a guess for how many games it took him? Uh, let's see. So it was obviously more than two points per. I would say uh, 335 games. 352. 352 okay. games. That's close to get 800 yeah. points. Uh, McDavid, 545, which was 26 fewer games than it took Crosby to reach that feat. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 incredible what that guy uh, is is doing right now. And you know, if he reaches 150 points this year, like oof, that, that's yeah. unreal in today's era. Uh, appreciate it as always, Johnny. We'll chat again next week, pal. All right, squad. Have a good day. You as well. There he goes, Mike Johnson, TSN hockey analyst, noted wave lover. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. I know we came in. We came in joking too much. I was gonna bug him on the way out, but then we got late. I, I cried last night when the way started in Buffalo after that whole debacle on. They talked yesterday. about that for about twenty five minutes on overdrive. Yeah, I swear, like twenty five minutes. It felt like them talking about whether or not there are waves at the hockey game. Wavy B and Wavy Lover B. of the wave. Adamant. Never seen it. <laughs> I don't know how Doesn't he can say that with a straight and face. Like, what? But then O comes <laughs> over the top and he's like, every game I've been to, it happens. Every like, game is ridiculous. Well, Never seen both. it before is also ridiculous. <laughs> you both are very <laughs> ridiculous here. It happens every now and then. And I, I can't help but feel, like you look at that barn last night, it was probably... I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine who was at the game. He said probably 70% Leaf fans. It was rocking. How many of those Leaf fans, that conversation happened around 5 o'clock, were in their car on their way down to Buffalo listening to that conversation and just knew we got to start the You're wave tonight. You're so right. we got to start the wave tonight just to, to prove AZB wrong. Wavy B, as he's now been called uh, on the on the interweb, so yeah, that was that was really funny. It was, it was like, what was more bizarre, the wave or the fact that we had hats yes. thrown on the road? Like both were. I don't know. It was awesome. Wild. It's not even bizarre to me at this point. It's just part of the Buffalo experience, and and yeah. I love like. I, you don't often see. It's kind of sad that I say this, but at Scotiabank Arena, like we know, right by the glass is is uh, like it's a lot of suits down there. Yep. Like you don't often get yep. the row of jerseys right on the glass. Yeah, and Ryan O'Reilly drop especially. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so Ryan O'Reilly's celebrating in front of a row of Leaf jerseys. Yeah, something that you don't see like kind of sadly very often. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was a good game last night. Let's dive a little bit deeper into it. We got stay or go coming up on the other side. We'll have Mike. Zeisberger, who wrote a great piece on Ryan O'Reilly uh, over the weekend. So we'll chat to him about that. And then Cheryl Pounder going to join us at 1.30 as well. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tisharios and Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Here. You gotta get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. Should I stay or should I go now? 
All right, welcome in. Julie to sharing Mike DiStefano. Leafs lunch continues here. Coming off a 6-3 win versus the QEW rivals, Buffalo Sabres. So it felt a little bit like a home game last night with all the Leaf representation in the building. It was electric. There was a Ryan O'Reilly hat trick. Mitch Marner put up five assists and was like doing magic tricks on the ice. Unlike anything I've really ever seen before. Johnny Cauley said that's probably the best hockey game that I've ever seen Mitch Marner play that he personally called. And he's called a lot of hockey games. I, I, I would tend to agree with him. Like maybe there's a game that we're not thinking of, but like, man, from start to finish, that guy was electric. I felt like I was being hyperbolic and thinking it was the best game that I'd ever seen Mitch play. But once Johnny said it, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, that's that was, affirmation right there. That was another <laughs> level of, of Mitch Marner. But I, I think that's, a, that's an easy way to get into our stays and our goes. Yeah. Mitch Marner putting up five assists in a game. Not bad. If he wanted to throw that around every once in a while, we'd be cool with it staying. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's the first time in 26 years that uh, a Maple Leaf had notched five assists in a game. So it was a very historic night for that that second line. 13 points combined for those three. And the majority of them come in like in the first 12 minutes of the hockey game. Like it wasn't even the fact. Like, that's the funny it's part. Crazy. Most of it came, I thought it was going to be like 10 nothing last night. A B. Poor Uka Pekka Lukanen. Oh, poor Uka Pekka. I want to Poor me. Did you have a... I started him in fantasy last No, you did not! <laughs> it's, a, it's an extremely deep, deep league with minors eligibility. Okay. And recently I'd been getting... Well, my goaltender is Jacob Markstrom, so really, uh, it doesn't matter. And Thatcher Demko's my other guy, so I don't have right. any options. So I've been having to use my minors goalies just to hit like my minimum game thresholds because Markstrom doesn't, isn't guaranteed to get two starts a week anymore. So I kind of got to start guys whenever, and I just... you got to be paying attention and, there, right? And... Oh yeah, it's it's I hate it a lot, and trust me, like it was a very you know the first ten minutes or so of that game was very up and down for me where I'm like yes this is awesome, but at the same time I already know it's Tuesday and I'm taking the L in fantasy because all my goalie stats were out the window. So sad. But like that 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 second line was was magical last night like it truly truly was and and I think it just it's it gives us a little glimpse into what they can be. Right, like we're not going to expect for that line to put up four goals a night, obviously. But to know that it's there and to know that they can vibe off each other in the way that they did oh, last yeah. night, like that's just such a, a good feeling. I mean, again, the, the finish was was there. The, the second goal that Ryan O'Reilly scored last night, oh my god, like, so amazing! First of all, that whole play, well, Marner to thread the needle, like just goes right over the stick of the defenseman, and then O'Reilly comes in forehand, backhand, shelf, like. It was just such a, 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 a sexy goal yeah. at the end of the day. But just the start that they had, like that's what we want to see stay. Like the starts, you know, for sometimes with the Maple Leafs, they can get a little sleepy out of the gate. Wasn't the case last night. It was 3 nothing before Buffalo even had a shot on goal. Like it was 3 nothing and they had to take a timeout. That didn't help because then it was 4 nothing shortly after and they finally yanked uh, Ukapeka Lukanen after that. Like it was honestly the most dominating start to a game that I've seen. And, and Sheldon Keefe echoed those comments saying it was pretty much the same way. Do you want to play the audio of, of uh, his thoughts on the performance yeah. of that second line? there's something I want to touch on after. Let's see what Sheldon Keefe had to say about the second line last night. Well, obviously they were just uh, at their best right from the start. But like as we talked about leading into the game, I thought that 
feedback group was close the other night uh, to a few chances. Obviously, uh, Riley missed a breakaway right at the very end of the game. Uh, that one probably sits with them for a bit, but uh, yeah, I thought that line, our team in general, our team game in that first period, that's as dominant as, dominant as we've been uh, all season long. So it was tremendous to see. That is true. It was as dominant as I've I've seen the Leafs period all year that first yeah. that first period in Buffalo he didn't say it in that part but um, so we heard from him yesterday and I just want to get your thoughts on this we heard mm-hmm. from him yesterday that he's going to keep JT on the wing for a while he's going to get a little bit of a run on the wing with O'Reilly and Marner yeah. and last night it was the best thing we've ever seen. They got 13 points, and it I, blew our minds. Talk about, like, what's in the group chat. I had a buddy, massively fan, loving to death, but, like, literally texted me after it was, like, 3 nothing. He's like, best line in hockey, question mark? Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, I love the drama now. of it all. <laughs> I love the drama of it all, and I'm into it. And, yeah, maybe. Who knows? But... Like last night, but... But, uh, Sheldon... It wasn't in that clip, but at some point, Sheldon Keefe also said, I do at some point yeah. eventually see JT back in the middle so game one of the playoffs what do you think is this this formula that they go with or is this what they defer to when he's not getting enough out of his top six interesting uh that's an interesting thought process there and and like we we asked johnny and he had an interesting answer it's it depends if it's if they're at oh my god you two cronies i'm I not cannot. Taking, i'm not gonna take that side <laughs> i'm not gonna take that side i just thought that that was an interesting yeah. answer to the question i'll answer it a little bit more definitively um i i, I do want to see what it looks like down the middle and I, again I, I believe we will i think Sheldon keith wants to see that the so depth I, oh my well, god for the first if he doesn't want the first time to to uh, looking at that lineup to be in like game four of the play exactly right? he wants to get a look at it even if they are the top best line in hockey for the next three to four weeks. You still give them a couple games just to see what it looks like, right? right. And it may not be better, but it's just, you know, it, allow players to play with one another and get to know each other so that if you do, something goes awry in the playoffs, an injury pops up, or potentially, you know, they uh, find themselves down 0-2 and they need to shake up some lines a little bit, there was a little bit of chemistry that could be built. So you do want to see what it looks like, but what I saw last night, I would not be upset if that was starting game one of the playoffs and we had Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, O'Reilly, Marner to start the game. I would not be upset at all. No, me neither. So I, I'm just interested to see how he feels because right now I'm getting the vibe check off Keith. This is going to be his... Uh, worst kept secret in hockey secret formula if if the top six isn't performing in the playoffs because i see ryan o'reilly as there or or maybe it's jt on, on third line center just for that depth down the middle we hear so often how depth down the middle uh wins rings and they're looking for one of those this year mm-hmm. what else what else did we love ab from last night that we'd like to stay the fourth line just in general, their whole play actually. amazing. Like, you just look at everything that they were doing, but like the the physicality of that fourth line last night. Like as we were talking about, it, uh, like Zach Aston Reeves was only credited with one hit according to NHL.com, but the eye test suggested he had like three. Oh or four. yeah. Like, so is he elevated? Do you think by the way that Achari plays? Yeah, I actually do. I, I think too. that I, I believe that they're um, not necessarily elevated. I think that they just like I think when you it's infectious scene like we were talking about Johnny like seeing Achari go out there and be a battering ram finish every hit like every, every 
chance he has to push somebody into the wall, he's going to do it. Yes, and I think Zach Asin Reese at times has not really been doing that. Like, there's been times he's been completely silent and quiet. I will say it's hard when you're the only guy doing it. Like, Zach exactly. Asin Reese, they hammered on him. I know they're hard on him about, like, make sure you're being physical, make sure you're contributing physically. Like, yes. that's supposed to be his role. But when you're the only guy doing it and, on the, and you're on the fourth line, your, your minutes are fairly limited, it's hard to... Right. Keep that rolling through. When you've got a buddy standing right next to you, setting the precedent. Bash Brothers, the new age Bash Brothers. Yeah. I'm telling you. So I think the way that I'll answer the question for you is he doesn't elevate him in, in, in the way that Marner elevates Tavares on like a literal <laughs> level. Quite. But I think he elevates him in terms of like leading by performance and it makes Zach Aston Reese want to play that much better. Right, it's like, oh, I want to, I want to play like this guy. Yeah, like he's providing energy for the team. I want to match that. Right, so now he's trying to match somebody as opposed to trying to set the tone. So now you have two guys out there who are banging around, and it's just really great to see. And like I said, so <laughs> it's funny. I got another text yesterday from uh, old Uncle Chris. Oh, old Uncle Chris. He got to say didn't say anything about O'Reilly's two goals early in the game. He texted me after Achari lays out. Um, Oh, who do you lay out in the first period? I'm blanking on it. But anyways, laid a big hit in the first period, and I get a text. He's like, really like him with O'Reilly? What, uh, what uh, Achari's bringing to the table? I'm like, nothing about the two goals from Ryan O'Reilly? He's like, oh, no, he's been good, too. But, like, I love this Achari player. Yeah. Okay. going to be a fan favorite in this neck of the woods, for sure. Because, you know, Toronto appreciates that style of hockey, and, and we're, loving, we're loving it right now, too. So put 100%. us in the Uncle Chris category for the day. The one other notable that I do want to say is um, I thought the Maple Leafs did a really good job of, of playing in the neutral zone. I know that the players talked about it a lot. But like, you look at the three goals that they scored early in that game, all of which starting from takeaways in the neutral zone. Right, so they're just defending really well, and then their transition game up ice, and it was they were they were finishing on them too. Yeah, right. Like, and that was the problem through the first couple of games. And Sheldon Keefe said, "Yeah, I felt like they've had a couple of good looks, and they just haven't been finishing." And Ryan O'Reilly said the same thing in the first intermission. He was chatting with Mark Masters, like, "Yeah, I felt like we played well those first two games, just didn't finish." Last night they finished on their opportunities and turned out uh, turned out into a a spectacular performance. Thirteen points between the three players. Um, quite the quite the night for for that second line and for Ryan O'Reilly, Mitch Marner, and uh, and the captain Johnny T. Yeah, it's uh, so nice of the Leafs AB to elect to just you know what this is the guy we traded for. He wanted to come to Toronto. He's already got two goals. So let's kick back, relax, and hopefully they get a couple goals. They pull the goalie, and then we can get the Hattie. Um, Yes, the Ryan O'Reilly, the hat trick. Opostrophe was what I was looking opposrophe. for. Opostrophe. The hat trick. The opostrophe. Uh, no, I'm being facetious. Oh, I, I, that was kind of a little bit lame. Like I was like, oh, guys, I have so much. I yeah. just want to get on the radio. I want to get on my spinny chair, <laughs> and I want to spin around and be so excited about this day. Except I'm like, why let Buffalo even sniff you in that game? Yeah, like it's it's overall, like it didn't damper the game, but no, it, did, no. it leaves a tiny taste, you know, sour taste in your mouth a little I don't bit. Like, be, I'm rolling my eyes on the couch. I'm like, okay, Buffalo's not coming all the way back here, but I don't want to be rolling my eyes. I want to be jumping up and down. Right, right. I, I, I feel you. Like taking your foot off the gas pedal, you know, and it's something that we've seen Buffalo's Toronto a good do a lot. Team. Like you got to give them respect too. Like they're, they're a good opponent. They had a good pushback in, the, in yep. the third period, right? But also like just a couple of defensive lapses. Like we were talking about with Johnny, more Morgan Riley on that. Well, first of all, the whole line on that Alex Tuckle, he walked like four players, but then absolutely turnstiled Morgan Riley. Yeah. It's like you can't let that happen in the third period. Like you got to be make sure that you're staying on top of pucks 
And you can't let him beat you like that and burn you like that. You just can't do it. The same thing, it didn't result in a goal, but that Tage Thompson play that Johnny talked about too. Like, you just can't let that happen. Um, I think it was Jeff Skinner, Justin Hall, just let him kind of blow yes. by him. Like, can't let that happen in the third period, right? Yeah. So it was just a couple of defensive lapses um, that were, you know, resulting in those goals. The Jack Quinn, that was just a beautiful shot by Jack Quinn. Oh, I love Jack Quinn. That, that was, that was a nice great one. shot. Like, that's not one that you're going to pick apart. But the other two, you got a little bit, you know, you can look at the guys on the ice, but like, you didn't help. You didn't help out uh, Sammy there at all. Birthday so. boy. Happy birthday, Ilya yes. Samsonov, today. What yes. did you think of, just quickly, I know we got to go, what did you think of his game last night? I didn't think it was his best. I know he had the sore stomach thing happen over, yeah. over the weekend. I don't operate well periods. with a sore tummy, so I have no yeah. judgment. I do not operate well with a sore tummy. So I, I didn't think it was his cleanest showing last night, but uh, I don't know, nothing nothing catastrophic. I think uh, I think that he would probably get get the, the Carlisle Reimer, like, yeah, okay. he was okay. He was just okay. Um, yeah, you know, he gets gets the win on the road, though, and that's something that uh, has been few and far between. That's got to be an so. asterisk road win. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, overall, it was a pretty solid performance. Let it, you know, The third period, yeah, they didn't play great. They let him back into it, but I think all was well when uh, they eventually ended up getting a hat trick for yeah. Ryan O'Reilly and was like, okay, you're excused. A little bit of excuse Fair enough. Uh, after that one. But, I mean, now you got Minnesota coming into town on, on Friday. So uh, you don't want to let Minnesota come back into a game because they've, they've got some guys who can finish. Kirill Kaprizov, that dude can finish uh, like the best of them in the NHL. So um, don't be want, can't be doing that going forward for sure. Don't let the, the foot off the gas. That's, that's a go. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, we still got uh, a couple of guests coming up on the show. Excited for Mike Zeisberger. He's going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour, as will Cheryl Pounder. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You're to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Uh, hour two is locked and loaded. We're going to have Mark, Mike Zeisberger join us, uh, talk a little bit about a great story that he wrote about Ryan O'Reilly and his family and his excitement to be a Leaf. Cheryl Pounder will join us around 1.30. New Canadian Screen Award nominee for her work at... Uh, Women's Worlds this year as Best Ooh, Sports Analyst. So Move over, Duffy. Yeah. Well, he's got the host. Of course he's nominated for Best Host. Come yeah, on. It's Canada. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheryl got the analyst nod this year. So we'll chat about that. A rivalry Series Game 7 tonight between Canada and USA from uh, the Bell Centre in, in Montreal. So that should be a crazy one, as per huge. With, with that matchup, um, the Leafs last night beat the Buffalo Sabres 6-3. So that's what's what's new with us. And uh, it was a historic night, A.B. All around the NHL, Leafs Nation, all three of those guys on the second line putting up three points in the first, like, 30 seconds of the first period. <laughs> it felt like Connor McDavid became the fifth pla- fastest player in NHL history to reach 800 points. Uh, Mitch Marner, historic night with his five assists. Dreisaitl reached 700. Like, it was a big night around the NHL last night. It was. There was a ton of games, too. Yeah, actually, well, yeah, Tuesdays, yeah, it was, it was a big slate for sure. Um, 
I mean, I was very much focused in on what was going on. Tampa ended up picking up a victory, obviously. So rude. Keep it up with the Joneses. I mean, when, you, when you're playing Anaheim, though, you got to – and they smoked Anaheim. It was like 6-1 win um, last night. But uh, I saw this morning, actually, there was uh, a really cool initiative that was announced by the NHL. Yeah, tell me about this. I, I'm not even sure – like, it's a very cool idea. Yeah, so the NHL announces an NHL street partnership with RCX Sports. So it's like a youth hockey league, apparently ages 6 to 16. Uh, Tomorrow's going to be an, an affiliate themselves with it uh, as well. And, like, I think this is actually really cool. Like, it's, 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 this is kind of some ways to grow the sport, like, from a grassroots level. True. Ball hockey is so much cheaper. Yeah. You don't got to worry about ice. You don't got to worry. Like, you can literally play this anywhere. Like, very much cheaper. Like I, I remember when I was younger, like I played ball hockey, um, you know, in the summers or in the spring or whatever it was. Yeah. And like it was just like you didn't have to worry about skates, you didn't have to worry about basically any equipment. Like it's just so much cheaper. And that's always been the problem, I think, with hockey is how expensive it is. Whether it's it's the the fees because it's get so new people expensive. into it. Like why do you want to sink that's, a mortgage into putting your eight year olds like, in hockey? You say, but like that's literally what some people have to do, especially if you're on like some like select teams. You're like playing AAA. You're traveling and whatnot. It's insane. Yeah. But I think this is a good way to to grow the game at at, at a grassroots level, get people hooked and, and interested into hockey. And then from there, you can you know get them on skates and get them playing, right? Yeah. But I think this is a really good way to try and grow the game, and more so in like those warmer climates where they can play year round in like California or in Texas or wherever it may be. Like, you know, the, the more southern, warmer states, warmer climates, Oregon, perhaps. You know, like I, I think that this is really good for the NHL, and and hopefully can you know spark uh, some growth in the game at with with the youth yeah it's a cool idea uh was there anything in the world quite like ball hockey day in elementary school when they'd bring out that garbage can of plastic sticks and the it, it was the best I and, and all the kids that played hockey like like were looking for blood on oh those specific God. days so you like knew, it had to be widely known that you played hockey <laughs> on and here's ball how you knew day. here's how you knew who played hockey right they're what's flexing the, the plastic what's the twig? first thing you do they're trying <laughs> sitting there flexing the twig you got your foot on it you're trying to get a curve <laughs> yeah. on that stick and then you got people who have no like just not hockey people look around like what are you doing it's like well I'm, I'm trying to look like the biggest beauty possible in the fifth grade yeah, like, thank I'm you gonna, so much for asking i'm gonna rip eight genos on you so if you want to have a straight I want to have the Ryan O'Reilly curve to do it. Exactly. Thank you very much. Funny thing is, after like two minutes, it ends up straightening back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Every time. (laughs) Every time. uh, But it was, uh, yeah, that was was always a fun day in in, in gym class when they brought that out. Uh, All right. (laughs) On the other side, I I wonder if uh, Mike Zeisberger played any ball hockey growing up, potentially. I'm I'm sure Cheryl had her fair share of street hockey Cheryl, I'm pretty sure... Also went to the world championships for ball hockey. Really? Yeah, I got to check on that, but I'm pretty oh. sure she did. Well, let's let's ask her about that. She'll join us at one thirty. Uh, second hour of Leafs lunch coming up. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. Listen to two Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050.